Welcome to the Punk and Pile Drivers Podcast here on the Backbreaker Media Network. And now, your host, Big Bad Boris. Yes, my children, it is time for yet another edition of the Punk and Pile Drivers Podcast on the Backbreaker Podcast Network. My name is Big Bad Boris, and joining me this week is somebody that I go way, way, way back with and somebody that uh, that I, I owe a lot to in kind of getting me in the door and letting me do some some fun stuff in the professional wrestling business. It's my old pal, my old buddy, Mr. Tex Gaines. Tex, what the hell's going on? Well, you know, I'm living my life. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. It's good to talk to you. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, no, it's been a little bit. Um, yeah, no, and I only got you in because I got you fired from that other company. That's that's a, well, that is a, <laughs> that is a true story. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I, you know, it is. But everything worked out for the best for everybody. I think you know. Oh, definitely, definitely. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> how many how many years ago was that? That was a long time ago. Well, let's figure. Okay, Colton Kelly's twenty six. I work stampede for seven. It's been 16, 17 years. Good times. Good times. All right. Yeah. Uh, I won't go into that story because it's long and convoluted, but I want to start by asking you a question that I was thinking about today. You uh, ask me anything you want. I'll be honest. You're kind of regarded as like the the alberta hardcore wrestling icon the western canada hardcore wrestling icon and as you've kind of gone i guess into retirement or or what have you and you started promoting and stuff i think the legend of tex gains as the alberta hardcore wrestling icon kind of grows how do you feel about that and the like the term hardcore wrestling icon you you know what's funny that's now it's a funny question because icon, do I see myself that way? No, not even close. Like considering the amount of talent that has come through, even Western Canada alone, um, hardcore, can I be hardcore? Yeah. Can I technical wrestle? Absolutely. Am I a showman? Definitely. Um, it's weird because I'm really kind of lack of a better word for it. I'm pretty humble about what I've accomplished in this business, which is weird because I, I have such a big ego and loud mouth most of the time. That's true. Um, I'm not comfortable with it actually. Okay. I get it. I get where it's coming from. And I appreciate the fans and the promoters and, and my peers in the business. And like, I know there's mixed bag of what is said about me. And I know that the legend of Tex Gaines, let's call it, <laughs> is far, far reaching out of just our local scene. But that the word icon just kind of is what throws it for me. Now, for if me, I, I'm I'm thinking more along the lines of the hardcore part as well. Well, because... the hardcore part. See, 
Okay, so uh, I don't. It's it's wrestling. It's just because I can grab or a foreign object or plunder, as Dusty Rhodes would call it, or uh, weapons. It was just part of that progression of if it's not nailed down, beat them with it. Fair enough. Okay. So the the aspect of the wrestling match was still there. It was just that would I grab a kendo stick? Would I grab a garbage can? Would I use a chain? Would I do matches where as as we are in this business called gimmick matches. Well, pretty much every match is a gimmick match now. Even even a traditional wrestling match is a gimmick match. Mm-hmm. So, is it easy to fall into that niche? Yeah. Did everyone want to do it? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, some people I had to drag through it, kicking and screaming, but like take yourself for example how many times did you end up getting hit with stuff because of me or or me missing my opponent and hitting you with it Uh, enough times yeah right so technically are you a hardcore wrestler then oh can i tell are you a hardcore manager yes you could (laughs) sounds good on my resume you know you are you're you're still technically a tag team champion <laughs> this is true now i want to ask yeah, you a little you, bit about you, sorry go you ahead. never lost the belt that's true that's true you never lost the belt <laughs> the the progression though of 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 quote-unquote hardcore um for for what it was kind of back in in the heyday to the the death match thing that it is now i always wanted to get your opinion on, on what you know, sort of the evolution of hardcore wrestling to what the death matches is now. Do you have you do you follow death match wrestling? Do you watch it? Do you have an opinion on it? You know what? Okay, so I'm gonna credit death match over to Japan, and that's how I see it. It comes. And I think from there's like, there's a lot to that. Yeah. Yeah, like FMW and that, right? Mm-hmm. Like. And that was just a hybrid of everything else. Now, a hardcore match, usually you got to be fairly, uh, I don't want to say tough, because I I fought a few people that were not tough by any standards, (laughs) but they could pull out a, a hardcore match out of their ass by whether it was who they were wrestling or by fluke or just by design of the booker and promoter or whoever was helping put it together. I look at death matches as there are some things in death matches that I just would never do. Like I look at it and go, that's fucking stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Lack of a better way of saying it. I'm like, like I hate glass. I really Mm -hmm. hate glass. Am I okay with barbed wire? Sure, you want to hit me with a baseball bat? Okay, a skateboard full, full of tacks? No problem. But someone wants to hit me with glass, I'm just like, nah, no, I'm kind of a pussy. And the thing <laughs> is, that's, that's such a staple. It's such a basic, that's like what a candlestick would have been in like 1999. It's just a basic right. element of that style. Right, exactly. And like, um, 
anyone that's seen the Abdullah the Butcher match sees me get hit with a Snapple bottle in mm. the forehead, right? Like, and trust me, I was not a fan of it. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Right? Like, I see it coming and I'm like, oh, this is going to suck so bad. <laughs> Why am I doing this? So, h- hardcore and death matches, again, it's... <sighs> what extreme are you willing to go Mm -hmm. like someone wants to put me through a flaming table or I want to put someone through flaming ropes. Okay. Sure. Fire. Now is fire worse than glass or vice versa? So I don't know. You, you've seen like, I know not everyone has seen my stuff that I've done or the body of work that I've done. But you were there for a lot of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like I'll I'll go back to Abdullah the butcher match. There was a lot of blood, and and again, I knock on wood because obviously this was before everything had spiraled out of control with Abdullah's lawsuits and everything. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness that I have no repercussions from it. Mm-hmm. But it could have been. Yeah. So like it's it becomes one of those things like um at clandestine society, uh Evan Adams and uh Sheikh Shabazz and Colton Kelly did one of the death matches. And to me, it was really well done, but it was also three guys that were not known for that style. Mm-hmm. So to see them, uh, I'm going to use this term very loosely and it, it, step up their game. And it wasn't so much that they stepped up their game as a, as violent content is that they took a match that they weren't known for and made it one of the highlights of the night. Yeah. Out of the comfort zone and something that that's definitely out of the ordinary and, and dangerous and just kind of, you know, they went for it. Right. Exactly. I, I agree with you on that. So going back to that is like, am I a hardcore fan? Uh, I used to love ECW, but that's not what got me into it. Um, death matches. I'd rather not watch a death match if I had to choose. Like, I'll watch them, but it's not something I go out and search out. Mm-hmm. Okay. If that if that clarifies any of that question for you. Fair enough. Sorry. No, no, I Sorry, like it. But... No, no need to apologize. All right, let's, I like to do this as you've, oh yeah, this is something else I wanted to ask you. I asked you if you've heard the show before and you said you've only listened to two episodes first of uh, you all know. no i want to guess which two episodes first of all okay all right i think that it was uh colton kelly's and it was duke durango's duke durango's and the other one who was it i gotta think it was not colton kelly's actually really yeah Why you know not? what it's, yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay, because here's where I'm going to sound like an ass. All right. Um, it was bound to happen. Yeah, you know, I don't watch or tend to listen to um, 
well, it, it's general public now knowledge that Colton Kelly is my kid. What? <laughs> I am shocked. I, I, if I'm not watching his matches live, I don't watch anything he does. Interesting. Okay. Same thing is uh, Shotgun Sid Greed. Uh, if it's not live, I I don't watch it. But why? I may catch. Uh, I'm. I hardly even watch. Okay, here here. Before I answer that, do you know that I own only three of my matches? Really? Like I have no footage of my own. Interesting. And it's not like I go back and watch it. Uh, if I catch a clip on it on YouTube or Facebook or or like the infamous kendo shot that Colton Kelly gives me that comes up every year and everyone posts it over and over and over again. You know, I made uh, that video, like the three the three angles. I made that. And, uh, I, oh, I know you did. And I <laughs> Trust me, I get it sent to me constantly. It's a good shot, like, though. Oh, it, it, but it'll be like be like halfway through the year and I'll get people spamming me it and i'm just like i i was there i yeah. know what it felt like <laughs> yep. but um i'm a hard critique on stuff mm -hmm. like even someone if someone asks me to watch their match they may not necessarily like what i have to say about it okay. because i'm not gonna blow smoke up everybody's ass if i think there's a weak spot i'll say hey this is you need to change this you need to do that and so i'm kind of hard about certain things that both kids do or even anyone that i've helped train mm. if they ask me I, I can be pretty harsh on stuff like there there's some things and some work that people love i i look at it and go that's fucking horrible pardon my language but <laughs> like it's i okay like so what i'm gonna say is not taking anything away from what they've accomplished in this business but i don't get the young bucks and you're not alone in that like i i don't see the draw uh, like i know they are a draw I know there are fans out there, but I don't see it. Okay. And that's not meant to say they're not talented because they are talented. They wouldn't get to where they are if they weren't, but their psychology is lost on me. And I think, do you think that's a little bit of old school versus new school kind of thing? No, I, not really because you get someone like, let's use Seth Rollins, who's constantly changing it up and constantly reinventing himself in that, that I enjoy watching. Okay. I, enjoy, I enjoy his characters. Uh, I enjoy how he's progressing. He's someone like Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, I th think, is the cat's meow in the ring. And it has nothing to do with that he's Canadian. I love his style. I love his his little nuances that he does. I like that you just used the term the cat's meow, by the way. That's very timely. <laughs> okay. All right, let's go. Let's, let's talk about you. Okay. Let's talk about, uh, uh, do you remember when you first saw 
fell in love, got into professional wrestling? Oh, God. You know, it, okay. So, yes. <laughs> Is that a very broad question? Is it hard to kind of narrow that down? Well, well no, it, it's, it's a common question. So, oh. I can give you... Well, sorry. The, well, no, it, it's, a, it's a common question you get as a wrestler. It, it, and, it, and even as a manager, you know that you get asked this. You, mm-hmm. you get asked how you got involved, why you got involved, where it come from. And the generic answer in, in Alberta is, well, I grew up watching Stampede Wrestling, and I grew up with my mom, my aunt, my dad, my grandmother, my grandfather, my cousins watching it mm-hmm. and kind of getting caught up into it. And that's the God's honest truth on why I started liking wrestling. Now getting into it was, Oh, I was like always played sports. Was I good? I was okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, going into wrestling was like okay well this is probably something i could do where would i learn this well i'm a i'm a most people don't realize that i'm an education junkie and i hate school right like i have a couple degrees and i have education in different fields and i get bored i take a class which is weird because I come across as such an uneducated idiot sometimes. <laughs> um, but I started looking into it going, well, I really don't want to be here and I want to do something with my life. What do I want to do? I need adventure. I'm, I'm an adventure junkie. Like what, what will get me out of my lack of a better way of saying it my stagnant life at that time and I was only in my 20s when I started well turning into my 20s when I started looking and Stampede Wrestling hadn't been out for years at that point and I was looking into wrestling schools and you know like here's something a lot of people don't know is like the first person that ever actually contacted me back from a wrestling school was Mike Shaw. Um, mm-hmm. And for people that don't know who Mike Shaw was, he was Mukka Singh. One of the greatest heels ever. Right. And he was not athletic looking. No. Nope. But he could go. But he could go. Mm-hmm. And, and for the people that don't know who Mukka Singh is, he was Bastion Booger in WWE or WWF at that time. <laughs> but he's the one who po- pointed me being from Canada, where to go in Canada. And I was like, well, the hearts aren't even running the school anymore. And da, 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 da. So skip ahead. He was closing his place down. Cause this is when he was going into WWE to work as Bastion Booger. And I almost ended up at ultimate warriors wrestling school. Oh Lord. Yeah. No kidding. Eh? Like, like, could you imagine what my style would have been <laughs> if I would have ended up there? Like, so I like to know what your promos would have ended up like if you would have went there. Oh my God. 
my promos are horrible now. Like, <laughs> and I, I, everyone asks me about that too. Is like, well, promos this and this. I'm like, I didn't cut promos, and they're like, why? I'm like, don't give me a live microphone. I get a live microphone and I drop f bombs all the time. Like, when you're trying to do a family friendly show, it does not work. That's why I had manager. <laughs> I was gonna say, is there any truth to that? Because you always say that, but I always thought it was kind of a joke oh, no, or a jest. Is there any truth to the fact that oh. you kind of brought one of the things you wanted when you brought me in is that I, you know, because you couldn't keep the, uh, your potty mouth away? No, I could not keep my potty mouth away, dude. You've heard me wrestle. Like, how many f bombs did I drop during a match? Uh, fair, like, that's fair, right? Like, or. I was breaking the law here in Edmonton by drinking at ringside. Like, <laughs> like, like, I'm sorry. I was drinking before Austin was like, give me a break uh, or Sandman and like just stuff like that. And it was like, Oh, I can't do that. And I can't take a microphone because every other word is F this and mm-hmm. F that. And yeah, blah 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 premenstrual blah 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 (laughs) (laughs) it's a good name for a band premenstrual blah 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 well yeah well the rest of that is really harsh and not everyone likes to see you next tuesday word right like okay fair enough see i'm I'm getting better yeah i'm (laughs) impressed you're growing up Uh, mostly mostly because it's not a promo and i don't have a live microphone (laughs) fair enough but it's it really is truly, honestly hard for me to censor what comes out of my mouth. So I'm not always the most eloquent on what I'm saying when I need to say it. So training-wise, you did end up getting trained. You did end up in the dungeon, correct? I did end up at the dungeon, yeah. Uh, man. The few and the proud. <sighs> You know what, and and how do I want to word this? The C word? No, 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 no. <laughs> we we're definitely uh, egotistical when we come out of the dungeon. Okay, and it's not always a bad ego, but it's definitely not always a positive ego. I can see that. I can see it maybe rubbing some other people the wrong way. Oh, yeah. Depending how you carry yourself, you know? Well, okay. So we all come out of the dungeon and we think we're, oh, well, we we survived the dungeon. We're this, we're that. We're like badasses of the world. So who was in your class? Like who kind of came out with you? Okay. So when I joined the dungeon, there was only two people in the dungeon. And that was Kerwin Bosnick from Saskatchewan Mm -hmm. and Red Thunder was coming from Hobima. Okay. But Thunder Thunder had already graduated and wrestled on a couple of shows at this point. And then I joined and then oh, was it? Yeah, it was Bill Yates, Duke Durango, Crazy Dean Durango, Greg Pistol Pollock. And then we had some other yahoos that showed up. Like I'm and thinking, then, was it was Apocalypse around that time, or did he come later? And like Dave Swift come, and those guys, come, they all come later. Okay, so so I had already graduated. So before that, it was then uh, Vinny and Hotshot Johnny Divine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vinny uh, was Divine's friend from the military 
Vin was awesome too and had talent, but he didn't have the, uh, let's call it the long-term drive for it. The love. No, he had the love for it. I just think that he also wanted to make money. <laughs> oh, so he well, you're to... in the wrong fucking place then. <laughs> well, that's right. Like everyone goes, oh, you're famous. Oh, I'm famous here. It in this, in I mean... this room, maybe. But Yeah, like we don't look at it the same way, right? So we graduate and then we got Apocalypse come in and then Dave Swift and Teddy and TJ and Harry when TJ Wilson was like, 14 and harry was like 12 13 yeah. like like watching natty and them all grow up mm-hmm. i feel like an old man now right like <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of them same thing with like uh jinder mahal and mm-hmm. uh, raj jr right like gamma singh jr <sighs> watching these guys grow up and seeing what they're doing is like yeah good for you guys as you deserve it yeah like, seeing, we seeing, know where you come from seeing your friends on tv do. is pretty badass well and they didn't all come through the dungeon either though right like mm. people don't realize that jinder mahal was gamma singh and bad news allen right and then everywhere else that he got trained by and so we we actually have which is really weird so there was all us at the dungeon and leo burke had a camp Mm-hmm. in calgary at the same time running out of brett's house oh, okay so that that is where sin come from mm, okay and johnny handsome come from and king lao come from and all those guys so like and we had a competition between them going oh you only trained up at, at brett's house with leo burke oh, fucking grow up leo burke <laughs> Leo Burke, like, yeah, you don't think about it because, oh, we're at the heart house. Uh, that's ego, right? Mm-hmm. So we kind of got stuck in that mentality. Someone we met from the States. Oh, I trained at the Funkin' Dojo. Oh, you only trained at the Funkin' Dojo. Oh, this is the funks. Like, yeah. what are you guys thinking? Like, we don't think about that because we're badass. We're Canadian. We trained with the hearts. Yeah. So, like I said, we have, an, we, we have an ego. Doesn't mean that guys that didn't train in BC or Ontario are any less good. It was just that was the time frame, right? Mm-hmm. Because everyone that was everyone that come through Canada had come through the stampede, through the hearts. Mm-hmm. So it kind of got ingrained in our head where we come from. And I love my pedigree. Trust me, I do. Uh, and I've never stopped learning. But the people I ended up learning the most from were not from the dungeon. We're not from that principle of where we learned to wrestle. Mm-hmm. So when you, you were finishing your, tra- like the timeline, I'm assuming when you were finishing your training, was right about when Stampede relaunched on A-Channel, correct? Yes, I was part of that, yeah. So you yeah. were on some of those first shows. Tell me a bit about what that was like, because I remember <laughs> watching it, and and I mean, it, it was kind of cool. I mean, it was kind of nice to see some new faces kind of mixed in with, you know, Cuban Assassin and some of the old faces. And was it kind of daunting for you to 
start your career on on TV? I mean, granted, it's still local TV, but it's still TV. Well, okay, so we all are fans of this business. Otherwise, we would not get into it. Mm -hmm. And as kids, as you know, we don't always know what is what, what, how the innards of the business work. The innards. I like that. That's a good term. The innards of the business. The innards of the business, right? <laughs> like You don't always know that the good guy really is kind of a dickhead and that uh, <laughs> bad guy is really kind of a sweetheart, right? Like it, those personalities are not always what you see. So until you're in it and you're learning, you don't realize as much as you think you know. So that's why a lot of wrestlers get offended by, oh, it's fake. Oh, it's this. It's, oh, it's that. Yeah, don't know until you're in it. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I'm glad that I was trained. I, I'll, let's, let's change that. I was raised in the dungeon. Okay. I was, I was nurtured in the dungeon because I was exposed to guys like Owen Hart, Keith Hart, uh, Davy Boy Smith, Jim Neidhart, Cuban Assassin, Jerry Amaro, Gamma Singh, Bad News Allen. I was exposed to them. Uh, Bertha Faye, I miss her dearly. She honestly was my first manager. I've heard a lot of people say a lot of really, really nice things about her. She was such a sweetheart, but she was also such a bad influence. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And, you know, it's like you're looking at it and you're like, okay, I can do this. And that ego of knowing what you've put into it and how hard you've busted your ass training to learn your craft. Because trust me, it is a learnt craft. Oh, yeah. And if you don't know how to do it, you're not going to be able to garner the reactions you need. It's a lost art on some people. Mm -hmm. Like, don't get me wrong. You need the John Cena's. You need the Hulk Hogan's. You need the... And I, I use those guys as this example. They're still wrestlers. They can still wrestle, but they're the showmen. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are going to pull in the seats. Like, you can be a great journeyman wrestler and never have made two cents in this business. Yeah. Or you can be a showman that's made millions of dollars. Or you can be that journeyman wrestler that has become the showman. Let's use Steve Austin. Steve Austin has probably made more money than everyone else. He's probably lost just about more money than everyone else too. But he went from being what WCW called a mid-card wrestler to being the biggest name in the world. Everyone knows his name. Mm -hmm. So there is it daunting it can be but i was lucky enough that i was exposed to these people while i was training 
to realize that they are exactly the same people that we are. And having those guys around, you must have learned a lot just from having them around, just kind of through osmosis. That's, you know, just extra, extra training, you know, extra training. uh, People do not realize it on an independent level. Someone who's been in national television exposure like WWE or TNA or AEW, when they come to these independent companies, it, they know they're putting asses in the seats, but they want to build your product for you. They want to help your product. They don't mm-hmm. want you to not be there. So you get guys like AJ Styles or Samoa Joe, and they're like, why am I winning? Why am I not losing to your top guy? Like, that's pretty humbling when you get someone like that going, why am I winning? And let's be fair, not everybody's like that, but the ones that are are super cool, and I have a lot of respect for those guys. They'll come in like that. They they understand. Uh, Abyss, they, they understand. I'm not going to be here tomorrow, but that guy is. Right, and Abyss was another one. That he was the I, best. He was so he great, was so awesome to work with. And like wrestling him, he's like, uh, I don't do this, and I'm like, I don't do this. Like, well, <laughs> why wouldn't you do that? Because when I go up and over, I legitimately just keep going over. Like, it's just <laughs> not pretty. Oh, okay. Well, what about this? Yeah. Then when Abyss tells you, nah, and you're crazy. Like, okay, I'll take that. It's a compliment. Right? Yeah, well, it is, right? Like, he goes, even I wouldn't do that. Like, that's saying a lot. Yeah. All right, let's go to your first track. Of course, here on the Pumpkin <laughs> Proudivers podcast, we 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 do the we we do the chatting and we do the music thing, and of course, the guests pick out a couple <laughs> of tracks. And I don't know if okay. you're trying to suck up to me or something, but uh, your first track no. is uh, one of the greatest songs ever written. It is uh, "I Want to Be Sedated" by the Ramones. Explain to me why you chose this. Okay, so it's actually two double-edged reasons on this one it's one of the concerts you and i went to yes we did go see cj ramon that's right i forgot we we went to see him twice actually right well yeah because the first time he got snowed out yes that's correct (laughs) i forgot about that yeah yeah uh, um i like a lot of different music and the i want to be sedated is legitimately one of those songs that will pump my blood up, even though it's like, that's how my head thinks. It's like, I really want to be sedated. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it, it hits that spot where it just riles me up and it catches in my head and sticks with me for days on end. All right. That's awesome. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. Because, yeah, we... Because I never got a chance to see the original Ramones. And then a number of no. years ago, CJ Ramone, who was the bass player uh, after DD left, he, he, you know, he does solo things. And he came to, to New City here yeah, in Edmonton. And uh, we went down there to see him and he got snowed in. But we had tickets. So they were honored for when he was able to come back. And, 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 and it was something like and- two months two months later. And yeah, we went back. Was- You're like, I'm going up front and i'm like i'm sitting at the table drinking but yeah, i'll you enjoy sat the, at the table and had beers and i went up front and i was i was a great time. i think i've got video of that actually now that i think about it 
Oh, this might come in handy with this new video idea that I've been bandying around about a video companion (laughs) to this podcast. All right, so we're going to go to this track right now. After this, I want to kind of jump ahead a little bit and talk about the the, the birth uh, of PWA, and then we'll talk about uh, my favorite topic, which is me, (laughs) and and you and some of the fun stuff we did. So this is I Want to Be Sedated. It is the almighty Ramones on the Punk and Pile Drivers podcast. course the almighty ramones on the punk and pile Drivers podcast my name is big bad big bad birth they can't even speak now see i told you it gets in your head and that's what's sitting there and i'm joined by the hardcore wrestling icon because that's in my head now uh mr (laughs) tex gains we talked a little bit about your training and about those kind of days of the early days of the the rebirth of stampede wrestling which didn't last for too too long a few years if i remember correctly It, it was like three and a half almost four years yeah something like that but i will say i will thank stampede wrestling for one thing um it gave me a chance to see my favorite wrestler live uh the one and only time i got to see him live and that was sabu so i was very excited about that i saw him and uh, and johnny divine on the tv taping and i actually took oh, yeah, home yeah, yeah. i took home a piece of table from that and then uh, my ex-wife made me get rid of it when we were moving, and I regretted it ever since. But I did have a, a piece of table from your, that your match. Ex, your ex-wife? Yes. Well, I, I got to be a jerk. Which one? I don't I was just going to say. <laughs> 
See, you're a dick now. Um, I was, I was, I was gonna say I don't remember which one it is now. Oh, okay, okay. There's, there's been, matter. there's been so many. Well, you know, there's like forty of them. But we're gonna else? fight next time we see you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So explain to me. Oh, good one. Well done. Well played. Um, explain, I, so. I had to jump on. <laughs> explain to me the transition between uh, the the Stampede Wrestling, which I think was still running when PWA started. How did P- the idea of PWA kind of come together? It's sort of been explained to me a little bit by <sighs> others, but you know, okay, I'm always so, up for hearing it again. <laughs> okay, so I probably hold the record for being fired or quit the most in Stampede Wrestling history. Okay. I've been fired a few times and I got rehired a few times and I quit a few times and I, I've quit a couple ugly times and whatever. Um, so Kurt Sorokin, who helped create PWA with me, uh, was doing a lot of the booking of the sh- different term, different type of booking, but like helping with marketing media. Uh, getting shows going with Bob Johnson for Stampede Wrestling, like booking venues, not necessarily like booking yeah, matches. not not booking matches, but booking venues. So we met Kurt. And the funny t- thing is, the first time I met Kurt is he's picking up me and Red Thunder to go to a show, and I'm like six foot two, and Thunder's like six three, six four maybe yeah it's about that he's pretty tall and and kurt is, is not <laughs> not <laughs> so he's like i'm gonna get killed by these two huge human beings in the middle of the wilderness right like he's driving us to this show and so kurt and i we start talking and blah 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 and i get fired i quit after i got hurt and i said a whole bunch of derogatory things to Ross Hart and uh, skip ahead. Yada, yada, yada. Yada, yada, yada. Kurt calls me and goes, hey, why don't you come down to Northlands? We're running the show there tonight. Uh, Ross says, come down. And I was like, yeah, no, like, fuck this. And come on, you need it. Da, 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 da. So Kurt was mending bridges. Mm-hmm and i said okay and whatever went down started working for stampede again and this is on the tail end of things starting to go south and it ends sort of but not really they're kind of going to stop running edmonton and kurt and i are like well we don't want to drive to calgary every week like there's no one here let's start something up well, then Hercules Aiello was around and we're like, okay, hey, Ruben says, why don't we do this? And I can get a ring built. And we are like, okay. So Hercules Aiello goes, I'm going to start a training school. And he starts running a training school. And he's our booker. And then we're like, well, we need a show ring. And uh, there used to be a referee named Gil Hayes. Okay. And he, he had a ring. That was a boxing ring at that time. Didn't know any different between a boxing ring and a wrestling ring. <laughs> so Kurt and I invest in this ring and we get this ring and 
we're doing stuff and we get the first show booked and we're at the shock conference center and we there were some hiccups before this and we get the show going and we got like 800 people at the shock conference center and it's like two three matches left and the ring breaks in the center of the ring it collapses it the the eye beams that were our cross members twisted and now the ring looks like a giant swimming pool excellent and of all things cuban assassin does a diving front splash onto his opponent in the center of this hole <laughs> and we still had the main event at that point to to go and so then the main event got changed into a false count anywhere match because we no longer had mm-hmm. a ring we get done and we're like okay well we're dead in the water like what do we do and we're literally we're trying to find a way to get the ring fixed and uh, where are we at? Atco, Epcor. Epcor is the power company. Mm-hmm. We're at Epcor working as custodians, Kurt and I. And we meet two guys that are there. One's a machinist. He goes, well, I can do that. I can fix that for you. And his helper had one leg. And so we called this guy Hoppy all the time. <laughs> yeah, because we're did. so... Because we're politically correct your sweethearts right yeah so we got a guy who's a senior citizen who's a machinist that has worked his whole life willing to help us and his helper who has one leg and lives in the vehicle is helping us fix the ring so it took us like seven months to get it fixed. Eight months, I think it was. Okay. We got it fixed, and then we then we fired up our second show, and PWA had kept going until COVID. That second show was at the Shaw again, correct? Is at the Shaw again. Yeah. Now, trivia yeah. question. Who was in the front row of that second show at the Shaw? I'm assuming you were. <laughs> Big Bad Boris himself. I have, I uh, had, I don't know if I still, I don't think I had it, but I used to have the ticket stub for that show. And I have this really grainy, shitty video of that show. And you can see me in oh, the front no. row. So whenever PWA makes my biography DVD, like WWE does, there'll be like a special bonus feature of me in the front row at that show. Well, that's awesome. I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember who I know. The orderly was on that show. And like a bunch of people that aren't around anymore. Like the orderly was on I, that show. I think and the orderly, Anac- Anaconda was on that show. Well, yeah. And and a bunch. I of think other the people. orderly was the. I think that was the night that I uh, tried to kill the orderly with a sandbag. <laughs> that sounds like something you do. Yeah, probably. He probably pissed me off, and I. Oh, I was beating up his teddy bear, and he jumped on his teddy bear, and I fucking started beating him with a two by. <laughs> and I think Stephen Styles was refereeing on that show. Was he? Oh, uh, squidgy. Because I think he tripped over the barricade running around uh, ringside during intermission or something and almost yeah, died. Well, that doesn't sound like it. Too bad. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to finish that sentence. Okay. So, anyway. and PWA <laughs> continues sort of to this day at some point in the near future. I have no idea. So I have gonna... no idea what's going to happen. I know that there's another Bret Hart night coming up. In, yes, that's exciting. March. That has been officially announced for March 4th, I want to say. I should know. 4th, 5th, something like that. 
uh, back at the saddle dome for 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 the uh, battle of the dome too so that's going to be awesome you can ch- to definitely keep an eye out for for details on that now let's talk about uh and have some fun telling a little bit of stories about you and i uh oh, i came in a- as ring announcer after yeah. the aforementioned uh, leaving the other company. That other company. You didn't leave. You got fired. Yeah, I got fired. It's a it's a story for another day, and I have no ill will, and I wish all those guys all the best. And and you know, yeah, it's it's absolutely. ancient history. But uh, I I was enjoying I have never out. been drunk and never threatened the owner of that company. Okay, that's uh, a, uh, sh- just stop. <laughs> okay. Um, and, and I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do the the, the heel manager thing and, and have some yeah. fun, and you kind of facilitated that for me. I did. I, I knew you could talk. I knew that you had it in you. Whether you believed it or not at that time, I was like, yeah, let's do this. And you're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I, I need a mouthpiece. Like, I need someone I can trust to get my points across that's not going to cuss and not going to swear, uh, be where he needs to be and do exactly as he needs to do. And we had a good connection. Um, I knew that you had the heart and the passion for it. Still do. Right. So <laughs> it was not, it wasn't, it was not a hard leap for me with you. So what was the worst that could have happened at that time is that you were you tried it and you were like no i'm not doing this i'm gonna stay announcing and and legitimately that's what you could have done Mm -hmm. but you were like oh hey this was this was cool this was fun i get to do this and i get to do this and i i get to cut loose and i get to not be so uniformed, even though you're not a uniformed person. That's that's the thing, right? Like well, it's, people it's, that it's very liberating to have you know hundreds of people tell you how much they hate you. It's it's it's. I know it sounds crazy, but it's awesome. No, it's 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 true. I like, mean, you get it more than anyone. You're garnering a, a reaction out of them, and you're like, hey, you're my puppet. <laughs> like <laughs> like you you get it. It's it's a it's a positive manipulation of someone else's emotions. So a couple of, of, of fun stories that, that spring to mind. The first one that, I, that, I, that sticks in my mind was the very, very first Battle Royal. Just because, I mean, I was in, I think we just needed extra bodies. So I was in it scheduled to go out first. And, and the way <laughs> is, that, it, is that when you were supposed to be standing behind me? And I yes, just walked away? yes. So what happened was I was standing in the corner and you were standing in front of me, kind of guarding me. Like I'm the, you know, the, this yeah. the pussy, the pussy manager and you're going to guard me. And, and you're like, wait a minute, let's go to this corner over here. And you walk away and then the bell rings and everybody starts fighting. And I was fucking terrified because I was like, okay, you just left me. And now I'm at the mercy of these guys. And who knows, you know, sometimes they like to, you know, they you know, take some liberties with the new guy or, or you know, throw, oh, yeah, for sure. throw some chops sure. around. And, and, and in, in fairness and respect to everybody, nobody did. And well, I was eliminated I, first, but I remember that sheer like 20 seconds of fucking terror when all these I, guys I thought were brawling. Sure like, I was not behind you. It all happened so fast. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure you were because uh, I said let's move, and I thought you heard me, and I turned around and you. No, I heard you. Not, 
you weren't there i I just feel like you literally said that and then bell rang and then people started fighting and and yeah but everything worked out okay and i believe it was hollywood dusty adonis was the one who eliminated me so that was cool yeah i believe that was who who did it yeah yeah yeah. who won that battle royal do you remember you know what i don't and here's the horrible thing okay in matches i've been in until I see a roof or see a clip, I don't remember stuff. Well, I know during matches that you forgot a lot of stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm just busting uh, your balls now. No, it's true, though. Head trauma. Uh, <laughs> at least that's why I say it is. Um, no, it's, it's legitimately because everything kind of blurs together so much. Mm-hmm. Like... You want to to remember this and retain it, but there has to be something that triggers it for you at a certain mm-hmm. point. Like I can honestly not tell you anymore how many matches I've had. I know it's into the thousands. What was who was the first match? <sighs> My very first match, I can tell you, it was against Red Thunder. Okay, whereabouts is that? Homima? Uh, Strathmore. Strathmore, Alberta. I know it well. For the rodeo there. And oh, then because okay. we, the, we did the Strathmore rodeo and the Rockyford rodeo. Did you go over? No, matter of fact, <laughs> I did not. And I had the worst gear ever because I didn't have actual gear at that time. What was it? That purple thing? No, I that purple thing was my saving grace. The match, my first match, I had like a silver singlet and like yellow bumblebee colored tights. Oh my god, that sounds horrible. Is there pictures was, of this? Oh, I'm sure there is somewhere. Um, and so I went to throw this was how I learned that I knew what I was doing was so I went to throw thunder from corner to corner and as he was supposed to reverse it and as he planted his feet he hit a sweaty spot and his feet kicked out and he fell face first and I looked at him so I kicked him in the back of the head working because yeah yeah but it was just because it wasn't what was supposed to happen but you can't just stand there and freeze you you know the show goes on right Right, exactly. So I kicked him in the back of the head and reset. <laughs> and it was like, so that's why that match sticks out to me. Mm-hmm. He's a great guy too, really talented, and he's been responsible for helping train a lot of guys around uh, around Alberta. Oh, yeah. Always, I'm always uh, happy to see Thunder whenever our paths cross, so to speak. Yeah, I have no issues with Morse. <laughs> I have no issues. Uh, let's talk about the infamous uh, uh, boxing match where I boxed <laughs> Kurt Sorokin because I, I don't have I, I don't have a great memory of, of a lot of things just in terms of the whys and how. Like, do you remember how that even came about that I ended up boxing Kurt? Uh, mostly because you were interfering in my matches all the time. Well, it and, sounds like something I would do. And I think that was at the time that I handcuffed. Kurt to the ring. Ah, I remember that. And it was retribution against you. Because originally, originally, wasn't I handcuffed? Yeah. 
And because I remember the, the one thing that sticks out to me about that match, I remember nothing about that match other than the way the plan was, was at some point you were going to get the hand or the keys and you were going to throw them to me. And all I can remember from that match is thinking, Jesus, God, Lord, please let me catch that key. And then when I caught it, I was like, thank you, Lord Jesus. I caught the key. I remember literally nothing God, else. Uh, yeah. Right. And then you unlocked yourself. We handcuffed Kurt to the, to the rope. I hit him with a chair. And then uh, that was the night that Kurt got mad at me, not for the chair shot or handcuffing him to the rope, but because of what I said, and it stuck with the crowd. <laughs> oh, was that, uh, was that midget mm-hmm. shit? Yes. Oh, yeah. That's, I think, to this day. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's so mad still about that. <laughs> I'm not a midget. <laughs> I'm this tall. I go, yeah, I know. It wasn't intentional. Uh, come out of, this is why I'm not allowed to yeah, use a microphone. Yeah, fair enough. Right? So it's like I just said what popped in my head. And so I, I remember like, now you didn't get it, you piece of midget shit. And it stuck <laughs> with the crowd. So I remember like, Kurt, Kurt went and bought gloves and headgear for, for this yeah. boxing match. We had the boxing match. And if memory serves me correctly, he returned it the next day. But uh, Oh, for sure he did. What for sticks sure out to me about the boxing match, and I've never seen it, and I've heard it's absolutely awfully terrible, and I'm sure it is. I know oh. uh, 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 TJ Wilson... Uh, he used to like to 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 watch it and, and kind oh, yeah. of shit he on fond- it. Fondly watches it and shits on it. Yes. And absolutely. I've now again, I've never seen it, and I probably don't want to now because I'd probably be mortified. Oh, but I remember, I was, sure. <laughs> I remember, I was gassed out as fuck. I was tired as fuck, and I heard one minute gone in the first round, and I was like, oh my god. And How I was supposed to do this for five minutes. Yeah, and I remember yeah. in between rounds. Uh, Michael Fitzpatrick coming to me and saying, Kurt says to ease up. And I didn't think I was like doing anything that bad, but I wanted it to look good, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. And then you fucked me over by trying to throw me a wrench and the wrench went between my legs and Kurt put it in his glove and KO'd me. And that was that. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what happened. On paper, and... it sounds great, but I'm sure it was just God awful. Well, that's, that's the problem, right? Is you think it's going to be one way and then it ends up being another way completely. Have you seen it? Uh, yes. I, well, not me. Is it going to happen? What's that? <laughs> but I, not, not since it happened. Oh, so I not on video. I've seen clips of it. Not, not in such a long time, right? Like, it's, I can't even tell you how long it's been. Let's talk about the infamous Fright Night yellow dress incident. Because that's one <laughs> of my sorry, that's one of my no no, that's one of my fond memories because A, it kind of it smartened me up, not smartened me up a little bit, but just kind of made me realize, you know, because when the idea was presented to me at first, my first knee-jerk reaction was, I don't want to wear a dress, I'm gonna look stupid. And right. it only lasted for maybe 30 seconds, and I realized. I want to wear a dress. I'm going to look stupid. And it just took me a second to get out of that mindset and realize that, you know, I'm performing and this is my role and this is fucking awesome. Well, and that's it, right? So you get to that point where it's like, oh, I can do this. And you were so, I, I want to say you were scared. Well, oh, I was I nervous that... as fuck every time I went out there. Well, and that's it, right? There's a difference between scared and nervous. No, one time I was scared, which we won't talk about, 
all the other times I was just nervous because I, did, I didn't want to I didn't want to fuck anything up and I didn't want to get hurt. Well, and that's it, right? So the dress incident would have been fine, except for at the one point didn't work. So I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, well, no, let's explain because there's a couple of things here. So with basically the way it worked for those of you who who weren't there a zillion years ago is I was banned from ringside for this match as your evil manager, unless right. Kurt was allowed to pick my Halloween costume and right. you guys went out or somebody went out to like Valiant village and got this just gaudy, awful yellow dress. And your, your lady friend at the time did my makeup and then I looked ridiculous. It was fucking awesome. <laughs> and, and part of it, because I was, relatively young in the business and I was stupid and naive. I was like, can I blade in this match? I want to bleed. Cause I was, you know, young and stupid well, and, want, and I wanted to do all the things I wanted, you know, all the things I wanted yeah. to do. I was, I was filled with the, with the desire to do all the things. Right. You and, wanted to do everything and you wanted to get color. Yeah, which, you went, Sorry. Rightfully so for what was going on. It did make sense for the most part in, in the story because it was you and Juggernaut who are both kind of hardcore guys. Right. Now, the only problem is you don't bleed. <laughs> well, if I would have... Okay, so what happened was when it was time to, to do it, I remember it was it was down on the floor and Juggernaut kicked me in one leg and I went down on one knee and he kicked me in the other leg and I went down on both knees and he cracked me over the head with kendo stick. And right. I went down, you took the blade, and you cut me. I did. And, and, you, and apparently, like, nothing happened. Nothing. And Not I'll, a drop. And I'll never Not forget it. As long, and this is the way I tell the story. I'll never forget it because you looked me in the eye and you said, Boris, I'm so sorry. You stuck that thing in and you, like, turned it. But, like, it did, nothing really happened. No, you don't plead. Well, like, if I, I if I <laughs> if I would have known, you know what I know now, I would have took some aspirin or had a Red Bull or something because I'm not a coffee guy. So you know, no. something something to thin it out a little bit. But I got shitty color. I was bummed out. You have in all of the pictures one little trickle it's of blood lip, coming yeah, down, yeah, coming down your forehead, and I'm going, <laughs> what the fuck? I bladed your forehead twice twice and you got next to no color and it's not like everyone goes oh he's wiped it off no 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 you just don't fucking bleed and i wanted to be like rick flair you know and just didn't happen but the story no, doesn't end there all. because yeah. i i pissed juggernaut off and rightfully so but it wasn't my you fault you you did catch him with an awkward chair. So so there. well yeah, but it wasn't my fault because Juggernaut no. was in the corner with his back to me, and he was like stalking you, and I yeah. came in behind him with the steel chair, and I was never supposed to hit him. Kurt was no, he to was come in and cut me off in his Halloween costume with a head on a stick and hit me in the back before I ever hit Juggernaut. But I'm standing behind Juggernaut, and it felt like hours. I was standing you with this chair in the air waiting and Kurt's not there or Kurt's not there. And I'm looking at you and you're like, just hit him. So yeah. me again, being, you know, not just not smart and, and not yep. thinking and, and in fairness, not told instead of doing it no, like absolutely. sideways across the, the, you know, the, the, the shoulder blades, I swung what? overhead 
and the yeah. pipe of the top of the chair caught Juggernaut in the back of the head. Yeah, and the crown was, hit him. Yeah, and he was oh, yeah, he was mad. He was mad. so he oh, yeah. literally he shot. He, he shot his finish on me. He literally hit me with. He hit me with the. Ca- I didn't post. I tried to post, but it all happened so fast. Oh yeah, he, he was so up mad. and hit me with that K drill and dropped me kind of on higher on my shoulders and on my head and yeah, yeah. And I deserved no, it. It, it. It's well, it's fair enough. It, in all fairness, you should have been taught how to swing a chair, and that's fair. Let, uh, you weren't actually supposed to hit him. Also fair someone's timing was off because he was doing whatever he was doing and wasn't in place. So it was a glorious clusterfuck. (laughs) Now the story doesn't end there though. No, because what a lot of people or what you might forget is you or somebody had a rubber chicken. Do you remember the rubber chicken? I do remember the rubber chicken. <laughs> we thought it would be funny to stick the rubber chicken in my pants. So the yeah. head of the rubber chicken was sticking out of my pants. And I completely yeah. forgot that it was there because I was going like, to yeah, lift my skirt up and show the rubber chicken, you know, the fans and stuff. Showing like show you your, your cock. A silly your thing. Yeah, and after, yeah. after everything was done and the whole thing was done and he, you know, he hit me with the finish and everything. I'm laying on the ground outside on the floor and I hear a fan yell, why is there a rubber chicken in your pants? And I was like, I forgot about the goddamn chicken. I remember oh. that. Yeah. Yeah. No, the rubber chicken, you were going to show everyone your cock. Yeah. And, and that's, yeah, it just didn't happen. But that's okay because the fans didn't know. <laughs> well, the one fan, no, because I was asked why I had a rubber chicken in my pants. <laughs> your pants, exactly. Again, childish, immature humor. But it works. Time, that was socially acceptable. This yeah, is true. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What else was there? What else did we do? Oh, oh God. Um, I dressed up as Santa Claus once and I beat Kurt up. I remember yes. that. Um, well, there was the year Poor that Kurt. He dressed, Kurt dressed as Tex Gaines. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he, he borrowed. So our time together came to an end. Um, you got hurt. You blew out a knee, correct? I blew out a knee. And that was when I was going to retire. And that was against MRB. Mm-hmm. And it was also because Lance had come in and was booking stuff, and Lance and I necessarily didn't always see eye to eye on stuff. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't always it wasn't always a negative thing. It was just that I've wrestled as long as Lance had. Yes, Lance has made more money and been on national television more than I have. But anything Lance was going to do wasn't going to motivate me or compel my career forward. Mm-hmm. And because I had to have the knee surgery and that, and I was just kind of winding down, I was having a hard time shutting text gains off. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of living the gimmick mm-hmm. a little bit too much. And it was just kind of, it was affecting me in, in not positive ways. Yeah. So it was like, okay, I'm going to walk away. Da, 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 da. And it was like, it kind of screwed you 
In well, it's, it's a couple like, of, a couple of things. Sorry, I keep cutting you off. I apologize. No, no. It, it's First, I remember the, the, the spit slap segment, which was really awesome. And I wish that we could have followed it up. And nothing really came of that because you spit in my face. And then I slapped you across the face and lived to tell face. about it. But nothing right. really came of that. But I always thought that because... There was more that could have been told with it yeah i think because after you you kind of went away and they didn't keep me on as manager i always in my head thought maybe i was just shitty and that's why they never gave me anybody else. no it legitimately was they didn't know who to put you with and i think it kind of worked out in the end in terms of like i taught myself the photoshop and taught myself the video editing and i really think and i know i beat this to death i really think that commentary is what i'm best at but I had a lot of fun and I was kind of bummed out when, when the managing thing stopped because yeah, I thought maybe, maybe I'm no good. No. And it, it definitely had nothing to do with that aspect of it is that if someone doesn't know what to do with someone in this business, it kind of is like, well, what do we do with them? Mm -hmm. How do we recycle him or push him with someone else like it would have made sense if you would have went with let, let's use juggernaut as an example even though juggernaut's manager was a fucking he had a bowl a bowl and the bowl China was man. over the bowl was over as fuck man right anything that he got at domo gas <laughs> i was gonna say yeah, the bowl the, the domo bowl man everybody loved that right Right. So whatever he, piece of fucking China he got that week was what his manager was, right? <laughs> like, and he's like, even like him and I get along great and we complimented each other. He looked at me, he goes, I so don't want to tag with you. He goes, it's not you. He goes, I just hate doing tag match. No, I remember him saying that. Yeah. And I'm like, I get it. He goes, and no offense. And he said that to, to me about you. He goes, no offense. I don't want a fucking manager. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I, I, I get it. Like it, it make he's not your manager. He's my manager. Yeah. And I think that kind of pigeonholed you a little bit, not him, but being my manager, yeah. because well, how do you, and this is ego and blowing smoke up my own ass is how do you follow up working with one of the bigger names in the company that created most of the moments yeah at that time and right? it was funny because yeah like i really missed performing you know and all that kind of stuff and i remember it kind of hit me when i was talking with mrb a, a couple of years ago maybe longer but like it occurred to me if i was doing the manager thing i'd be out there involved in one match maybe two matches now with me on commentary i'm involved in every match right and it's it's a it's a different aspect of it like people don't realize how many positions let's call it someone can take in in this business mm -hmm. right like like there there's a lot to be said about what happens behind that desk or behind that curtain yeah oh yeah that people don't understand Besides those three or four or five guys in the ring or girls in the ring, there's a whole lot of people to help make that shit happen. Right. And it's like, oh, well, without wrestlers, there's no company. Well, without no company, there's no wrestlers. Yeah. Like, it's your chicken and your egg syndrome. And I'm lucky, and I, and I will say this till the day I die, I'm lucky that I get to see it from every angle. Mm-hmm. 
that I've done every job there is to do in this business. So whether that is wrestling, managing, even my shitty refereeing, because trust me, Tex Gaines is not a good referee. <laughs> You're going to referee the polite police versus juggernaut. I'm going to stand there and laugh. <laughs> I'm not counting three. Yeah. Like, like I, I but I've done it. Yeah. Uh, I, I've wrote the book. I've wrote the show. I've managed the talent. I've done the ring. I've, moved the company like you've booked <laughs> venues you've you know all that kind yeah of stuff. i've done it from a to z mm-hmm. and back i'm lucky i look at it the way i look at it so i am and i honestly am lucky about this is that i can see it from where the boys and girls want to come from and we call them boys and girls the men Mm -hmm. and women of this industry the wrestlers the talent i see where they want to come from and how they want to get there but i also see it from the ownership and the management side of it going i i can't afford to do that or (laughs) i i can do that but i can't do that and i can accept that and i can't accept that this doesn't make sense or and i i would fire you if you weren't me (laughs) (laughs) there's only sorry there there's only so much that uh, this is not a shot at kurt kurt gets it from a booker and an ownership point of view and a little bit from the talent side of the view because he, he was a character and he's been in the ring, but he's not a wrestler. Um, but he's refereed. He's had matches, but not to the same extent. Whereas, again, let's use uh, Massive Damage. Massive is definitely a wrestler, just happens to own a company. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I seem to, and this is, I'm lucky enough. And I I do say I'm lucky because I honestly believe I am lucky enough that I get to be able to see it from every angle. Yeah. There's one guy that I wanted to come back and manage really, really, really badly just because I think creatively we could have done a lot of really cool stuff. And that was Colton Kelly. Just the stories we could have told between the father and the son and that kind of thing. I think, and, and, and I, you know, uh, Colton and I, if I don't want to, I don't like real naming people, but Colton and I, like I've known him since he was knee high to a grasshopper. He's, he's, I've always been a big fan. Even before he started wrestling, I was really like that kid. So I think creatively we could have done a lot of good stuff with that. You'll laugh about this. So just off topic, but it has to do with your relationship with Colton. Um, I was going through a bunch of boxes and I found a bunch of pictures of you and Colton Kelly jumping off your step into, into the, the snow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm like, in our underwear. Oh, huh? That's a visual, right. isn't it? Well, and, and, and that's funny, but 
if you think about it at that age where that happened for Colton and those pictures were taken, it was so taboo, right? Like, even though he's a teenager and he was doing it on his own will and jumping into a snowdrift, it wasn't thought of the way it would be thought of if someone else seen it at that time. Yeah, it was just like a, uh, but it I, was, I, it was super cold and it was like a giant snowstorm and we were like, I'll do it if you do it. He's like, I'll do it if yeah, you do it. And we're like, hell, let's, you know, it, it was just this, you know, dumb shit yeah. for the sake of having fun and, you know, whatever. But yeah, and you ran through the house and dove off the step into a giant <laughs> soft pillow of snow and, and, if I'm looking, everyone's like, are you doing it? I'm like, fuck no. <laughs> yeah, you're like, nope, nope. <laughs> I'm not fucking stupid. You two want to do it? Go ahead. Yeah. All right. We're going to cut yeah. to your second track now because there's a couple of things I want to touch on. There's there's okay. questions from the social media and oh, uh, and then there's a couple of things I want to talk about with Force Pro Wrestling and I need to go to bed. All right. So okay. uh, your second song is uh, from the hip hop genre. It is a little bit of NWA. Explain uh, this is about as far away from the remote as you can get. So uh, why did you pick this one? Okay. So most people do not realize that Tex Gaines loves hip hop. Tex Gaines does love hip hop. Well, I remember and- when we were on the road, <laughs> when we were, when we were driving, when we were driving to, uh, to, to, you know, sh- out of town shows or what have you. And I would drive we were, go- we, we were going to the, the bad news Allen tribute show. That's what it was. Yeah. That was, that was, yeah, that was, uh, that was, uh, I'm really, really proud that I got to be on that show anyway. Uh, yeah. and there was like the, the old school hip hop channel and you knew every song and you're like every word, every song. It was crazy. <laughs> well, cause you, you woke up and I'm driving with my elbows singing songs and you're like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? And I'm like, I'm driving. You're like, where's your hands? <laughs> I'm like, I got a thing when people take their elbows. hands off the wheel, it weirds me out. Oh yeah. Well, cause it threw you. But I don't know if the, the hip-hop threw you more or the fact that I was driving with my my elbows and my hands were on my face. Yeah, a little from column A, a little from column B. Anyway, uh, 100 miles and uh, running, NWA, explain. So, again, uh, a lot of people don't realize that I'm a hip-hop person and I love old-school hip-hop. And I was torn about what track to let you have. It was either 100 miles and running because that's kind of what I've done my career or was it let me clear my throat oh that's a good one too right and so I'm like you know what the biggest one that threw you was when you it was NWA that I was singing to (laughs) so that that's kind of where it come from all right right on why I picked this track excellent all right so this is 100 miles running it is NWA on the punk and pod drivers podcast a hundred miles of running, MC Renner hold the gun in. You want me to kill my motherfucker and it's done it. Since I'm stereotyped to kill and destruct, it's one of the main reasons I don't give a fuck. Chances are usually not good, cause I'm first with my hands on a hot hood. I get jacked by the you know who. When in a black and white, the capacity is two. But not alone with three more brothers, I mean three brothers. Not wearing my tights because we're not stupid motherfuckers. They have to take our heads for what we said in the past. Point blank, they can kiss my black ass. I didn't stutter when I said Run. Run it, run it, run it. Ah! In today's news, four fugitives on the run. FBI sources tell us that the four are headed 100 miles to their home base, Compton. Maybe a motherfucking need. So I can tell you why I'm running with my brothers, headed for the home base. With this 
NWA on the Punk and Potterverse podcast. I am Big Bad Boris here on the Backbreaker Podcast Podcast Network uh, with Mr. Tex Gaines. I put a call out to the social media that you were going to be on, and I got a handful of questions. Oh, um, see, I, I, we don't have a lot of time left, so this one's kind of hard. I don't know if you can do this one, but okay, uh, yeah. first thing or story that comes to your mind when you hear these names. Okay. Maybe we'll Shoot. just do we'll just do word association nope. or something or whatever. Do it. Uh, number, it. number one, Big Bad Boris. I didn't awesome. write this, by the way. No, awesome. Go for it. Continue. Uh, Bill Yates. Trouble. Kurt Sorokin. Lifelong friend. Uh, Devin Nichols. Love hate relationship. Hold on. Sorry, oh, Kurt. Kurt, Kurt okay. Love hate. Love hate. Continue. What's uh, next one? Uh, Hannibal. 
Uh, cannot say anything positive about that individual. Uh, Bayrat Karani. Love him to death. Broken man. Uh, getting better all the time. Needs a little bit more polish. Uh, favorite type of chips? Ooh, that was a good one. Um, dill, dill pickle. Really? It's a Canadian thing. It's mm. it's it's either dill pickle or ketchup, and I'm gonna say dill. Yeah, they don't do ketchup chips in the states, do they? They hardly do dill pickle either. Oh. it's kind of yeah, it's kind of just weird. Like, See, I used to love ketchup have... chips when I was a kid, and now I can't stand them. So here's a little side note for you. Uh, our chips are actually mostly produced in Halifax and shipped out here for the Lay's company. Okay. And even though Lay's has a chip manufacturing in Tabor, but the Tabor chips go out to Halifax. Why? I don't know. The company's <laughs> weird that way. Interesting. Just, most random useless information that floats around in my head. All right, I like it. Okay. Now this is this is going to be impossible to answer, so I'm just going <clears> to <throat> pardon me, ask you any. Anyway, Colton Kelly or Shotgun Sid? Ooh. <laughs> I mean, you can't do that, right? I They both have their positives and both have their negatives. So technical Colton Kelly, mental, and in a positive way, shotgun. Sid is crazy because whenever I see Sid, he's always got his mind going, thinking of of new moves or new stories. His brain is always working. It's crazy. The kid has been like that since he was little. His mind is built for this business. Um, He has such a creative thought process it's just for him to organize those thoughts if you could harness him in the right direction i think that he could be very successful like not even in the ring but with a pencil you know what i mean oh absolutely absolutely and and colton kelly has he's got a bit of drive and determination back again and he's he's looking great like physically looks like a million bucks (laughs) again so much talent does not realize how much talent yeah, he has. The, the upside on him is, is huge. All right. Your promotion, Force Pro Wrestling, uh, started yes. a few years ago. There was a bit of a lull for a while while you were kind of out of town. And now Force Pro Wrestling oh my is, God. is looking Force- to return. What can you yes. tell us about what the future is holding and what we can look forward to in Force Pro Wrestling? So Force Pro Wrestling, unfortunately, has been one of those uh babies of mine that has been start stop start stop yeah start, it's very stop. on again off again but i mean it's and hard I, it's running the circus is hard but you know what it's not even and it's my fault because i own it but it's always outside influences that have caused it we had a great restart when i moved back to edmonton and we were going every two weeks mm-hmm. and covid shot me in the ass Mm-hmm. Um, I in October I partnered up and was let someone present Force Pro Wrestling, and uh, starting in January, uh, basing off of what I'm working on right now, I want to get back to where we're doing every two weeks. Because interesting, Edmonton could host every week. 
but it burns the crowd out. It's yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Right. So every two weeks to every two and a half, three weeks is going to be the key. Um, I believe that we run a very different style of product than everyone else. Um, we, we definitely have more flexibility in the way I do things. And, um, thank you WWE for fucking the pooch so much, pardon my language, (laughs) but with the way they do things, it has caused companies like AEW to form and AEW is giving it more of that independent feeling again. And it's kind of like that cusp of the rebirth of the territories. Now, what uh, uh, Force Pro Wrestling needs, in my opinion, is a little bit of Boris. Well, there, there is a, a game plan to sit down and talk about uh, Big Bad Boris. Uh, uh, our gentleman <laughs> from the Bear, Warren Barris, and um, as a great commentary duo. So Barris and, and Boris. Barris and Boris, and then maybe uh, throw in the odd guest commentator and uh, have Malawani show up and do some commentary and work with the commentary team. Excellent. So uh, we're hoping, or you're hoping for... For January. January launch. All right. Is there any kind of social medias for for Force that people can follow to get well, uh, updates? Uh, Force is on Instagram, and Force is on Facebook, and Force is on ForceProWrestling.com. And uh, I have an Instagram, but I can't tell you it because I'm horrible with that stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, you have a Twitter account that you haven't tweeted since 2014, by the way. Well, I would love to, but th- there, there's a problem. The, the, password the password is long gone. I need some help, and I have a technical guy that uh, I should be bending his ear more. All right. Is there anything that you want to say to wrestling fans, your fans, or the people out there before we put uh, the, the, the bow on this episode? I honestly thank the Edmonton and Alberta fans because without them, we don't run shows. Uh, I know COVID has put a squash on a lot of people and as much as it sucks, just keep being patient, keep working with us. We're going to keep working with them and uh, it'll be some good times coming down the road. Cause I can speak for a lot of people myself included kind of in the business as much as as the fans want to go to shows man we want to put them on well yeah absolutely we want to put them on and it and aside from uh, from those clandestine tapings i haven't called a wrestling match in almost two years and i'm you, chomping at the bit man well you know what and the thing is without on shows we're just a bunch of guys standing around in our underwear that's right i just want to make sure i can still do it you know yeah, no, absolutely. And it, there's there's a love and a passion for this. Yeah, for sure. Thanks, man. No problem. Super awesome to, to, to connect with you and talk about some old times and hopefully some upcoming new times. Yeah, absolutely. We will be doing that. All right. Um, we are going to continue the the December Christmas rock and roll fiesta uh, with oh, a band. Hey, oh, sorry. If you're going to put on Christmas music, 
uh i would like to hear um I, I picked the last song all right fuck you no i want to hear uh, <laughs> uh what the fuck's his name singing rudolph the red-nosed reindeer um <laughs> guy that barks all the time dmx okay well then you go on your spotify and you press dmx because i've already picked the outro song this week it is carbon well, what's, song. Outro, what, what's outro song well, i'm gonna tell you if you'd shut up well then tell me i'm listening <laughs> all right continuing with the christmas rock and roll fiesta uh a band that's kind of synonymous with the 90s um they kind of do a lot of those 90s tours uh but a band i really like is Everclear. Uh, they put out a, a, a number of what I thought was really, really good albums in the 90s. Kind of musically, I don't want to say simple, but 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 easy to listen to. But I think the songwriting was really good and the songs are written really well. And and they put on an album in, I want to say, 94-ish called So Much for the Afterglow. And do you remember Tex Gaines back in kind of the 90s when hidden tracks were the big thing? Oh yeah, so like at the end of your CD, there'd be like two minutes of blank space, and then like hey, this hey. song that's not listed. Where do you think the movies got it from? Mm. Oh, you know what? I never thought of it that way. You know what? That's where the movies got it from. Those Let's those end that's... credit scenes. You know what? That's but actually I, really smart. That's exactly where they got it from. Was from the the CDs and LPs with the hidden music. So at the end of so much for the afterglow, there was the like two minutes of silence, and there was this uncredited song that I call I Will Be Hating You for Christmas, because that's how the chorus goes. But it's all—it's a very catchy, sort of Christmassy, anti-Christmas song. So we're going to go out to that one. Uh, I have no idea who's coming on next week. I, 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 I've been talking to Mr. Kurt Sorokin, but he says he's very busy. Well, that's pretty job. He has a job. He's got grandkids now. He's all about those grandkids. Yeah, I know. I, which is good for him. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. All right, thank you again, Mr. Tex Gaines. Always a pleasure. This is I Will Be Hating You for Christmas. This is Everclear, and we will talk to y'all next week. Thanks for the Christmas card.